0: Amen. Amen. I, uh, now, you know, having kids is so funny. Because now when certain things happen, I just, I think of James. And, um, he started singing that song last night. Yeah, he's like, glory, glory. And then he would try to say hallelujah, but he's not quite there where he can enunciate hallelujah yet. But you can imagine how adorable that is. Um, So it's pretty cool, you know, when your kids start singing songs. And the other night, um, Kristen, it was last weekend, I was out of town, and Kristen said she was kind of walking by his room, and he was like, talking or something, and he's like, I'm praying. And he's like, dear God, thank you for so-and-so, and and thank you for so-and-so, and And then just started listing random things, just saying thank you. Um, But hey, man, like, one that like makes you start to cry, because... Wow, my kid is yeah. praying on his own, unprompted. Uh, you know, it, it, does he fully get it yet? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, we try to convey to him there is a God, He is alive, He loves him. Uh, you know, all of that. But, Amen. We just singing that song, and I just started smiling because I was thinking of him. But um, you know, I wanted to spend the first couple minutes of, of the beginning of this sermon just talking about a little bit of some of the incredible things that God has done. In our fellowship, in just the last year, right, you know, and even some of the answered prayers, and some of them were big ones this year. When I mean, we we had some serious uh, health issues, right, for family members of uh, people in the church, right. We, Michelle's mom was not doing great, and the church came together and was praying for her, for her mom, and and she's gotten so much better, right. Praying for Shaney's relative, right, and and I mean, if you don't know that story, that's crazy, and she's dramatically improved. And even from the day we started praying as a body, as a church, I mean, they started seeing some improvement to now. I mean, they were like, maybe she's, she may never wake up. She may never talk. They won't have know who she is. And yet, it's been pretty, dram- I mean, it's dramatically different. Right? That these are some of the answered prayers of God has been working. Where doctors are like, I don't know. And, and people are coming back. Amen? Yeah. It's incredible to think, like God, our God does answer prayers. Yeah, yeah. He answers through people with who have faith when we pray and we ask in faith, you know. And, and I even think of some of the incredible ways that God has just poured out His love on this fellowship in a number of ways, like you know Kyle and Emmy getting married. I, I think that's that's a God pouring out His love. Amen. Yeah. Like I feel encouraged. I, I, I'm happy for them. You know, all the time I think about them. I try to tell them, you guys don't even know how much I love you. I'm excited for you to be together. Uh, you know, but they've found each other and that's just a new life beginning right there. Right? Motivated by love. You know, we think of Nicole and Giovanni are getting married in just just a few weeks. Not far away. You know? I mean, another blessing and love from God pouring it out. and And motivated by love. We look at... You know, Devin and Monica being a part of the church. You know, them coming in and even when they, they, they have admitted, you know what, we stayed because it just felt like, man, people immediately wanted to be our friends and love us and be in our lives and that was what we were looking for. You know, but, it's, and, and, but them coming and becoming Christians, seeing Devin really seeing and understanding the love of God and Monica understanding the word of truth even more clearly, all motivated by the love of God. You know, we've got the McLeans having their baby, right? We've got Little River, right? Who, she's just adorable and beautiful. You know, Kristen and I are so excited to have, you know, our, our next son, his name's going to be Sam. We're so excited for Sam. Uh, but God's just pouring out blessings, you know, in, in our lives and answering prayers and blessing the church in a lot of ways. You know, we've we've added not just, you know, physical babies. We've had spiritual babies, right? You know, Seth has become a Christian. Nate's become a Christian. Emily's become a Christian. Kayla's become a Christian. Like, we've, we've seen like people becoming Christians recently, and that's just a blessing from God, motivated by love and, and God just pouring out love on the church. I feel loved when, when I know that God is working amongst us. You know what I mean? I, I feel motivated to, to want to love God back and, and do more in my faith and in my life uh, for, for how I live, right? And, and tonight, uh, to, this morning, I want to talk about um, motivation, what motivates us, you know? And I mean, there's so many, so many, even more blessings. I mean, we've had awesome people move in and we even have more people on the way from, I don't even, I'm like finding out about people who are moving here and getting jobs. I'm like, what is going on? You know, God is just doing things. More good news than I have time to share at the moment. But I look at this and I go, hey, what motivates us though? Right? What brings us together to live as Christians? You know, in a a lot of these things, whether they're marriages or children or people becoming Christians, you know, it's love that pulls it together. Or we hope. Right? And so the title of, of this morning's sermon, I've titled it just... The Motive to Change. Because we've been talking about a series on what is love. And when you look at that, what should love be? It should be our motive as Christians. right? So if you're taking notes, it's the motive to change. What is love? It's the motive to change. If you've got a Bible, turn over to Second Corinthians 5. We're going to read here. It encourages me when uh, I feel like, unprompted, people have very closely associated points that they're sharing, whether it be for, you know, the communion or, you know, the offering. But what, are us, what is our motive? Because it really, we want it to point back to Jesus. In Second Corinthians 5, we'll start in verse 14. It says this. Excuse me. It says, for Christ's love compels us. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll stop there. You know, I would be remiss if I had a title so a title that said the motive to change and didn't come to this scripture. Didn't really talk about hey what is what is our Motivation, What compels us in our lives as Christians? because to me, this passion answers that question of what what is the motive for being a Christian? It should be the love of Jesus The funny thing is, if life were as simple as the answer, life would be so much easier, would it not Right? If only you could say, well, that's the answer. And then just everything just fell in line with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If we just knew, I know the answer. And, and now I just apply it 100% completely all the time. Don't ever miss it. Nail it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. Sadly, that's just not how life works. Um, you know, when I think about all the motives that we can have, though. For why we try to do things. Why people change their lives. People change for all sorts of reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, we've got people rebranding themselves, creating new lives, starting new lives. I mean, it's, it's a new life, quote unquote, is not a new thing. Now, I don't mean in the sense of becoming a new creation in Christ. I mean, people just trying to start over and do different things with their life. Right? People around the world for ages have tried to have a fresh start. They move to a new place. They start a new life. They reinvent themselves. They turn their lives around or make a change. And it doesn't always involve Jesus. You know, why do people do it? They do it for a lot of reasons. It could be that there's been past hardship. That they need to escape the past. Whether it be addiction, abuse, or something along those lines. They just need to get away from that life. You know, could be people want money and fame they make it themselves they give themselves a new name because their old life was just boring or they, they go to a new place to start over because it just seemed not good enough you know it could be for love I mean you think about how many people have radically changed their lives uh, they end up they, they, they leave behind the party life because they have a child you know what I mean or, or they just met that right woman or that right man, and they go, I want to be good for that person. It's, it's a change motivated by love, right? Because they feel like that's worth it. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why people can change and, and start a new life. And maybe it's one of these that put you on the road that eventually led you here, or eventually led you to find Jesus. You know, none of those bad, are bad reasons to want to change, to want to do over, to start a new beginning. But when we think about our lives of why we change today, why we start changing our lives from being a worldly person to being a righteous person, we've got to ask ourselves, what is our motive? Because we want to have a good moral compass. But the thing that we've got to be concerned about, and there's the thing that scares me is when my moral compass is good but it's not necessarily going to lead me to the destination I desire. In Colossians 3, I want to read this, and I want to take a look at this passage. So if you would, turn over there with me. Because I read this passage, and it's an incredible scripture written by Paul to tell the Christians what their lives can look like now that you follow Jesus. And I I want us to read this, and I'm going to give a little more context after after we've read through it. And we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read a a good chunk here. We're going to read 1 through 14. But this is what Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He writes to these Christians, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever brings belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, and in the life you once lived, But now you rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new life, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So how does this relate into the the new life thing. I, I want to talk about that in a second, so hang with me. But in this scripture, you know, the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to write this to the Colossians. And in the section just before we've, what we've read is Paul has been telling them about how fruitless human religious tradition is. He got into why this, this religious tradition, the, the Pharisees, they're missing the mark, they're getting it all wrong. And he tells them that what they need to do is they need to set your hearts and your minds on the things in heaven with Christ. You need to set your hearts and minds on Jesus with Christ. You know, we find passages like this all over the New Testament, where then what he does is he gives he tells them that religious tradition is fruitless. Don't try to have all these rituals. But instead, he just gives them some basic instructions and some practicals to live by, right? And and as I said, we find these all over the New Testament, not rituals, just practicals now that you follow Jesus. You know, and here we find some incredible passages on how to live a righteous and upstanding life, life as disciples. You know, what good person in their right mind is going to argue that abstaining from malice, rage, and slander is a bad idea? I mean, who, who in their right mind would argue that that's a bad idea? That, it, that, it's, that those things are really actually, they're healthy for society. You slander everybody you want, you, you, know, you do all that, it's okay, that's good for us. no. No sane person is really going to argue that. At least no good person is really going to argue that. You know what I mean? And yet, who's going to argue that lying is a... That's a great idea. Who's going to argue for it? No. They would agree that lying is not good for society. It's not good for people. It's, it's, it's not good for relationships. You know, I love this passage too because it's even a head nod. He talks about racism in the church. He even gives the head. Look, that stuff does not matter. It shouldn't matter amongst God's people. I mean, that's what he's talking about when he's getting to the parts of "there's no Gentiles, there's no Greeks, there's no Scythians, there's no all of this." He's he's dealing with the race issues that are going on in the church. You're just one people that belong to God now. That's amazing, right? That this has been going on, and these have been the Christian teachings for a long time, and. We're fighting all, still fighting issues like this in America to this day. But when we think of... Like, and, and nobody's going to argue that these are right ways to live. Well, most people aren't going to argue that this is a good way to live. But what motivates you to live this way? Because there's one motivation that scares me personally. Of... I guess a way I would answer this. One that scares me because it can become my answer so easily. It's the answer that says, I do this because it's the right way to live. When that's my primary motive, that I think that this is the morally right thing to do, so therefore I do it. Why does that scare me? because it has nothing to do with Jesus. You know, when I look at my life, I believe I'm a good person. Right? I mean, most people do. Um, Some of us are, are really hard on ourselves. I will acknowledge that. But most people do. I, you know, I think I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I like basketball. I like football. I like to have a beer after I work in the yard. You know, I work hard. I think I'm pretty well respected at my job. Uh, you know, I try and pray before my meals. I go to church. I give my tithe sacrificially. I try to serve the poor. I share my faith. I confess my sin. And I do all of these. I can't do all of these because the Bible tells me to because it's the right thing to do. You know, I love my family. I'm faithful to, and I respect my wife. I don't curse. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. You know, I live this way because God's Word tells me to and because I know that it's right. I can live this way because I firmly believe that it's going to provide me and my family with not only a good life, but with the best life possible. Which doesn't sound bad, except for what I said before. Where is Jesus in all of that motivation? Because I can come to the Word and I agree that it's the right way to live, but what scares me is when my life becomes about being a good moral person and not just about being a follower of Jesus. Now, when I do follow Jesus, I will do these things. And maybe you guys don't struggle with this. Maybe you've never noticed it, or maybe you've never been even been tempted with it, to just get into where living this way is a routine. Because I believe it's the right way to live. And I do believe it. I believe that I should share my faith and try to get as many people to heaven with me as I possibly can. But I can also get tempted that I do all this stuff because it's just what's best for me. It's what's best for my family. And then it's the right, morally right thing to do. And I can stand on, you know, that soapbox and talk about it. But then I can also forget about Jesus. Right? And Paul writes to these Christians, and the first thing he tells them is, you need to fix your heart and your mind on the things in heaven with Christ. Right? You know, but how many times have I picked up this, this very passage of Scripture? I've picked up this exact one and I've poured over it, looking to go, how does my life match up to this passage? How am I doing it and not slandering and not being full of anger, rage, malice? And sometimes, you know what? I can be very full of those things. Just be honest. I can't. And I've got to repent. I've got to change my heart. How am I doing at being clothed in virtue? Of being kind and compassionate. Uh, you know, forgiving people when they sin against me. I can struggle with those things. And so I come to the scriptures and I go, you know what? I need to repent. But my question is, is do I just say I need to repent because the Bible tells me to? Or do I repent in response to the cross of Christ? You guys hear where I'm coming from? You know, obedience is a good thing. In fact, obedience is the love language of God. I'm going to talk a little bit about love languages in, in some coming weeks here. And I know that Kristen and the women already talked about it. But believe it or not, obedience is God's love language. First John 5, verse 3. Obedience to God is love. And so, obedience is a good thing. I want to obey the Bible. I want to follow Scripture. I want to go through and and check myself against it. But here's the thing. What's my motivation? Is that I want to be a good, morally right person? And be a great dad? And be a great husband? Or is it because, you know what? I love my God. And He inspires me to be better. Do you know what I'm saying? I think it's a distinction. It's, it's It's a small distinction... But it's a distinction that matters. Right? Because on one path, you know, they're, they're don't, they don't diverge very much. But down that road, they can lead me to very different places. Yeah. Right? And, I, and that's why we've got to fix our eyes on Christ. That the motivation is Jesus' love, where we come to the foot of the cross. And I love what Andrew and Adeline shared. What is my real treasure that I'm looking for? What is, what is my heart that I'm going after? What motivates me? You know, and I think of a simple example would be, in my life, obedience of doing what's right because it pleases me or because it pleases somebody I love. Right? I can clean my house sometimes because my house is dirty and it makes me uncomfortable. But sometimes I can just sit in my house when it's dirty and just, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm like, I just don't care enough right now. But you know what can motivate me is the moments where I go, you know what would encourage my wife? If I clean my house. You know? And, and get up and do it. Not because I'm uncomfortable with the dirty house, but because I know that my wife is going to walk in and she's going to feel more at peace and less stressed out by being in a house where the floors are vacuumed and You know, Uno cards aren't spread all over the place and toys are everywhere, which is every day, Uh, you know, so it's an everyday thing. But it takes time and it takes effort, but because I want my wife to be happy when she's with me and when she's in her home and in our home, I clean it up. Not every time, but I try to, you know, but is she going to notice the difference whether I do it for me or I do it for her. Sometimes. Sometimes she won't. Mm -hmm. One suits my need and one meets her need. Well, either would meet her need, but what is my motivation? Right? I think in the long run, she'll know the difference. She can feel, she can sense when I'm just not being loving to her and I'm just doing it because it needs to get done. And can we? most of us do that when we know that people are just doing things because they're supposed to versus when they really do it because they love us? And some of us can get confused because people can do it with the right intentions, with loving hearts, and they just think uh, it's just an appointment. And that's not true. You know, It can come from a place of love. But I think it's being careful that we check our own hearts. And check our own motivations. What, what motivates you to be a Christian? Is it because it's right? Or is it because Jesus died for you? Is it because you're going to be a better friend, father, mother, sister, brother? Or is it because, you know what? I'm inspired by Jesus and I want to follow His footsteps. And I want to be like Him. And, and from that, you're just going to have this, this change. I'm, I feel motivated to obey because of love. And so I just asked us that question this morning, church. What motivates you? What calls you higher? What leads you in your life as you, you strive to be a disciple of Jesus? There's a lot of reasons people can live out righteous principles. But not, having a good moral compass does not guarantee your eternal destination. It's Jesus that's going to get us there. Not just being a good moral person. It's someone who's close to Christ. It's Jesus that's going to call us in and say, Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want... For me personally, I can be fearful. Which perfect love drives out fear. Amen. But I need to be aware that in Revelation 2, Jesus spoke to the church in Ephesus. And he said, I know your faith. I know your perseverance. I know your hardship. I know how hard you worked. And all the things you did... And it's like, builds it up like you're awesome, but this one thing I hold against you. You have forgotten your first love. I don't want to forget Jesus, but the reality is I can. What about you? What motivates you? If we slip away from Christ's love being our motivation, we are going to miss the mark. This comes from a brother to his family. Let's not let our motives be because it's the right way to live. The only good reason that should motivate, invigorate, and inspire us in our lives is Jesus and His love for us. Right? That's the one that's really going to get us to where we want to go. So if you've, if you've noticed that you've drifted, if your heart has been a little bit off, if you're not really connecting with Christ, I want to encourage you, you've got to get that time in your Bible and in prayer and with spiritual fellowship with other Christians. And I say spiritual fellowship because sometimes we can just hang out and do right things rather than bring each other to closer to Jesus. Right? Sometimes we can read our Bibles because it's the right thing to do. We can say a prayer because it's the right thing to do. But really, we are called to do those things to seek the face of God. To have a relationship of love. Let's be a people who are inspired by Christ. If you're vid- visiting with us, these people are awesome. They are. I-, I love our family. I love our church. And I'd encourage you, ask, ask to study the Bible with us. Let's dig into the Scriptures together and figure out why... Jesus is the ultimate motivator for the Christian life. We get all these other things as a blessing, but I know as we do these things, as we dig in, as we follow Christ, we're going to be able to change the world together. We're going to be able to cast off the sin, that old way of life. We're going to pick up the virtues. You know, I I encourage you to dig into the scripture and even looking at it and the concept of being clothed with Christ. You put it on, you know, kindness is like your socks. Right? You know, you got a shirt. That's your, you know, gentleness. You got, but in all of it, you're going to put on love. Right? Over all of that, it's going to be love. And we learn that love from Jesus. All of that is really provided from Christ. Let's be a people devoted to learning what love is. Being motivated by love. And following Jesus in love. Amen? Amen. Amen.